Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf chof. Today's shir is le'ilu le nishmas. Etel basarav Yisrael Meir and Matishiah Mordechai ben Yosef. May the neshamas have an aliyah and may the memory be a blessing. Amen. Um, okay, so we were discussing at the end of yesterday, which we just gonna, which we uh, we pointed out according to Rabbi Akiva. And you have to see how it fits in with the other opinions, probably Shimon as well, and maybe the others, that there's a difference, and this we'll see in the Mishnah on today's daf very clearly. If a woman admits her guilt, she says, I am Tomei, eh? then you pause the procedure. Again, there's nothing Baisling can do because there aren't proper witnesses, but she'd have to divorce her husband and thing, and she has the dinim of an adultera. If she just says, I refuse to drink, so then again, it depends on the exact uh, opinion, but at some point, either after, according to Rabbi Akiva, either after the parchment has been erased, or after the mincha has been offered, um, according to the Tanakama, yeah, according, to, according to all the opinions, at least, except maybe one version in Rabbi Akiva, is once we have um, erased the parchment, we would force her to drink. One opinion in Rabbi Akiva is that no, um, um, is that once the mincha has been offered, she no longer can retract. So it seems even if she's, according to that version in Rabbi Akiva, even if she's erased, if they've erased the parchment, if the mincha hasn't been optioned, uh, offered, she can say, I don't want to be, uh, um, she can say, sorry, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. She, she can say, I refuse to drink. No, she says, she can any time say she's defiled at whatever point, and then they have to deal with what they've got. But if she says, I refuse to drink, that's what we were focusing on yesterday, where after that certain stage, after, according to most opinions, it was once the parchment has been erased, she can no longer back out. And we made the distinction that's where she's doing it out of uh, in Rabbi Akiva, we made the distinction that's where she's doing it out of fear. If she's doing it because then she could be she could very well be innocent it's just the whole traumatic experience, the pressure that they put on her, you know a, a good uh, a good person, she's nervous, you know, what happens if you know, I just don't want to take any chances so out of that fear. That's why she's admitting that she could be innocent. And to be honest, we would like to find a woman innocent so that she can go back to her husband. Um, I was just thinking, the whole soita is an anomaly in normal systems of judgment. Because again, remember, there's no... She has this... Generally, we would assume someone is... A, has a cheskas kashrus until proven guilty. You can trust them and you don't assume the worst. But by the soita... She's ruined her Chezkas Kashrus by going into seclusion with this man that her husband told her, I don't want you to go into seclusion. And remember, that's, I mean, that's by the first mission exactly what Eidos you need. But that's where she did go into seclusion and she's ruined her Chezkas Kashrus um, to the degree that we don't need two witnesses. As soon as she says, I'm Tomei, we take her at her word. 
Um, but now, just with that, so the Gemara asks, "Boilehu Amra any shayse machmas briosa v'chazrav Amra shayse." If a woman comes along, oh, and sorry, and I left out. So that's always she admits out of fear, but if she admits out of briosa, she's of sound mind and she's calm, cool, calm, and collected. Then we take that according to Rebbe We take that as an admission of guilt. Uh, she's, she's only, the only reason she's relaxed and calm through the whole procedure is because she's uh, she's, conf- she's had in her mind that she'll never ever drink the waters. And that's why she's calm. And therefore, when she says, I don't want to drink, we take that as an admission of guilt and treat her in that way. Now, this, if you she can imagine... No, you don't make her drink. Because remember, the whole purpose, according to Rabbi Kiva, the purpose of the water is to check whether she's guilty or innocent, but we treat her refusal to drink as an admission of guilt. So what the water is going to do? Tell us she's guilty? Well, we know that. Um, interesting enough, if you think about it, and this is what the next question is based on, this is based on uh, Sanhedrin, the based in running the ritual, using their psychological evaluation, How's she been? Has she been nervous or has she been uh, bereus? Has she been uh, of sound, uh, cool, calm, and collected? So that's there. So, so that's what he says. So she says, I refuse to drink. And the assessment is that it's out of her. She's saying that with confidence. And therefore, we're accepting it as an ad, to a degree as an admission of, milk, of, of guilt. Ani, Mahu, and but then she quickly she says, No, no, actually I'll drink the water. Says Kivin to Amra Ani Shoisa to Maya Ani Kamra Vikivin the Axing Nachabatumalamati Hadrabe. Do we say that since she said I refuse to drink it's an admission of guilt, I Achsignashabatuma, she's um given herself the status of an adulterer, adulteress, and therefore she can't retract. Since she says I will drink She's changed her mind. Galia dieted the Mahmas Piyutas Udomar. It must be that the only reason she said she refuses to drink was out of fear. Because if she knew she was guilty, she would never then come along and say, you know what, actually I'll drink. So what do we say? So can we allow her to retract and say her whole, it's not, granted we thought it was an admission of guilt because we thought she was saying it with confidence, with Brius. But now we realize, wait, she's actually prepared to drink. Clearly it was out of fear. So do we accept that retraction? Take her. The Gemara leaves it unresolved. And now an interesting halacha regarding the water. I wasn't to kill out here. Omar Avud Shmuel. Avud Shmuel said, sorry, sheyitain mar You have to put something bitter into the water. My timer. The reason is because the Pasuk says, morim. The bitter water, Shemarim Kfar, I that were already bitter. We always assumed what why they call bitter waters because they contain this curse. They're psychologically bitter. But he's saying no. If you look, when do the, when would they then become bitter waters when the name's already dissolved in them? Then why? No, but well, if anything, it's water that's dissolved. Hashem's name. You know, you know. So, so that's what we thought they were bitter waters. But comes along um, Shmuel and says, "Wait, but look at Avud." Shmuel says, "Look at the apostle careful. It calls them bitter waters before. It says you'll raise Hashem's name in the bitter waters. Oh, we see that already bitter. Must be you put something bitter in it. Um, and why?"
Yeah, they're not called bitter because of the course. They actually called bitter because of the item that you've put in, the, the, because of this bitter flavor that you've put in. Now the new Mishnah, this is a lot of points that we've discussed in the last daf. says, and you can highlight from this the importance of having done the Mishnayos before the Gomorrah, but we haven't. Um, if, it's, if you have not yet erased the Megillah and she says, I refuse to drink, you nignas, you do gniza on the scroll, I, you put it away, and the mincha, the flower offering, again, that's been sanctified, but now can't be offered because you're not going through with the sota anymore, is scattered over the deshen. Rashi reminds us of in Kedushin, uh, it depends on the level of Kedusha where you burn and get rid of posel korponos. This mincha is now posel. Since the mincha can only be eaten within the confines of the base hamikdash, of the... the um, the chotzer, the temple courtyard, and inwards, you have to burn it in Beis Hadesh, and they had a pile of ash in the in in that area. But there's, so there you do the Beis Hadesh. Certain korbanos that could be eaten more broadly, I in the rest of Temple Mount in Jerusalem, there were different places where you burn those sacrifices. But this mincha, minchas are Kodesh Kedoshim, they have to be eaten there, therefore it has to be burnt there. So that's what Mispazra Saladesh means scattered on the pile of ash. doesn't mean literally scattered, it means burnt and then the ash burnt on the base Hadesh. And um, what's Nignaz? There, that's what we call putting it in Shemus. You take this scroll that has Hashem's name on that you're not going to use anymore and you put, you Nignaz it. Rashi says on that, he says, um, where was it? You put it in the either the sides or some have by the hinges. I'll explain that soon. Of the heichel, any kisvei kodesh that you can't use them for learning from anymore, they would bury them or hide them away that they don't become degraded. That's the whole point of what we call Seamus, is you have holy things that you don't want to just treat them with respect, you don't want to just chuck them in the dustbin. So we nignaz them, we um, hide them away. Um, Toysus bring an interesting Yerushalmi that they would actually put them where it's, where it's actually referring, they would put them under the hinges of certain doors, so that by opening and closing the doors you wear the parchment away. And the, but the difficulty with that, I didn't get a chance to look into it, but uh, obvious difficulty, I mean, Tosos is bringing the Shalmi, he's not making it up. But obviously, difficulty with that is means, but how you, then you're setting up Hashem's name to be erased. The whole reason you nignaz it, putting it away, is so that you don't just erase Hashem's name and it doesn't get treated with uh, badly. But here, yeah, uh, yeah, here you're opening it, going to close the door, and it's going to erase Hashem's name. Isn't that problematic? Unless you say it's a grammar, it's not definite, it just it wears down the parchment and then the name just fades, you know, maybe there's some reason like that, but I'm not sure, I don't get a chance to look into that. Um, okay, carrying on in the Mishnah, just to mention, that's the, we've got to remember the whole point of Seamus is items which have Kedusha, which is actually tied to Hashem's type, connected to Hashem's name. So, the Sefer Torah is the most Kodosh, 
And that's because Hashem's name is written with Kavana on the parchment. And so too Tfilin and Mezuzah. That's something that is Kadosh, has Kedusha. Then you have the, the accessories of those items. I call Tashmishe Kedusha. They also have a status of Kedusha. So that would be the Tfilin boxes, the Tfilin straps, the, uh, the Gartel and the cloths that the Sefer Torah is wrapped in, the Aaron Kodesh, the Bima. All these items are Tashmishe Kedusha, accessories of Kedusha, and they also have Kedusha. Interesting enough, things that are just used for a mitzvah, once the mitzvah is finished, they don't have Kedusha. They Tashmishe mitzvah, they're articles of a mitzvah, and they don't have Kedusha. So for example, tzitzit strings that break. Your lulav, your esrog. Once you finished, once sukkah is finished, they no longer will set aside for the mitzvah, and they, they don't have Kedusha. So that's why, um, strictly speaking, you can just put them in a plastic bag and throw them in the dustbin. You don't want to put them straight in the dustbin because that's degrading of something you use for a mitzvah. But strictly speaking, you can just throw it away. However, we're sensitive and we like to try to do another mitzvah with it. So that's why we use our lulav to burn our chomets. We use, some people take, if a tzitzit string breaks off, they use it in the, as a bookmark. You know, you try for their learning. So you try to use it for another mitzvah, but they really don't, in truth, they don't have Kedusha, unlike, as I mentioned, obviously actual parchment with Hashem's name written with the correct kavona on. The correct kavona is important, because if it's uh, not a, if it's written with the wrong kavona, like a Sefer Torah written by a heretic or something, then you burn it. But where it's written with the correct kavona, it has Kedusha. And anything that's an accessory also has Kedusha. Now, if you're going to take your Seamus and you're going to just put, stack it and pile everything in it, who not being discerning of whether it has Kedusha or not, that's also a degrading. Can you imagine, I mean, and this I think is an indictment that we have to be more sensitive to it, but can you imagine taking an old Sefer Torah that needs Gneza and putting it in the box of Seamus you see in a shul? You'd be like, no, that's totally disrespectful. It gets all papers piled on it and it's... Me- but that's the pro. Geniz is supposed to be a respectful way of putting away Seamus that you Sifrei uh, Torah things with kedusha any that you can't use anymore. So it's quite a. If you ask me, it's quite it's a it's a problem. And I remember my dad was very much in the yeshiva that the Seamus was kept very neat. He said the whole reason we're putting the these old notes and uh, photocopies and things in Seamus is because we say they're holy and we can't throw them out. Well, then if they're holy, treat them with respect. And he made sure that the shameless in was very, very neat. Um, again, another whole problem is if you're going to take your Hebrew textbook and put it in the shameless or whatever, just because it has Hebrew writing on it, doesn't mean it's Kadosh. Okay, whatever. I'm saying just because something has Hebrew writing or is, has the title Jewish on it, doesn't mean it's Kadosh. Like I said, even a lulav, even your tzitzis, and put in a bag and put them in the dustbin. Then some do actually put tzitzis in Gniza. You can discuss whether that's appropriate or not. So to just put any papers and any books in the Seamus is also disrespectful. So that's something I think, something to think about and be sensitive of. Again, it's a big problem nowadays because of the amount of photocopying done. You know, every second person they give a shear, so they photocopy 20 pages so that each person can have a page to follow in the shear. 
Or I know in the school you want to run a program, so you want to print out special sources. You, ha- you know, you get a guest speaker, so you print out a whole lot of pages. And then what happens with those pages? Have to, are they kodosh? Do they have to go in Seamus? When do things going to have to go into Seamus? But it's something worth uh, maybe um, uh, learning those halachas so that you know, because it's not something that you can just put in Seamus out of doubt, because that's degrading to the whole rest of Shemus. Okay, let's go. If the Megillah, the scroll, was already erased in the water, and then she says, I am Tomei, Hamayim Nishbachim, the water spilt out. So we see the water doesn't get Kedusha, even though Hashem's name has been dissolved in it, the water doesn't have Kedusha. Um, so you can just pour out the water. Umin chaso, sorry, va'omra tamei ani. She says, I am guilty. Umin chaso mispazeres al beis adeshen, and the minchas dispose of the beis adeshen. Niumcha koha megillah va'omra ani shoyses. What happens if the megillah has been erased, but she says, I don't want to drink? So in the first case, she said tamei ani. Now she's saying, I don't. I am guilty. Now she's saying, I don't want to drink. Ma'ari noiso mashkinoso balkorcho. You force her to drink. Okay. New point in the Mishnah, this is going to discuss now what happens if she does drink. She doesn't even finish drinking. I, I think it means that as soon as she finishes drinking, her face starts to turn, uh, change color. I like green with illness. And her eyes start to bulge. Her veins start to protrude in her neck and face. And everyone says, quickly, get out, get out. So she doesn't make the Azora Toma. We're going to see what the concern is, what's the problem of Tuma here. If she has merit, it can actually keep her alive. So this, that she's guilty of adultery and drinks the water, she might actually not die immediately. Depending on the merit she has, it could keep her alive for a year, two years, or three years. And we can Omar Ben Azai, based on this, now we get interesting, uh, not, not, un, not, that until here, not that up to here hasn't been interesting, but here's a very modern contemporary issue that uh, is still discussed. From here, it's imperative, we see it's imperative that a man teaches his daughter Torah, so that if she drinks, she should know that her merit can keep her alive. Uh, you might have a woman who says, who knows she's committed adultery, she just drinks this water, and she's like, you see, I'm fine. You see, I'm fine. I took the system, or this whole paragraph in the Torah is nonsense. Whatever she claims. So, but I says, no, teach her Torah. Teach her that she knows that if she drinks, if she has to drink salt water and she has merit, she might live based on her merit, but she will die at some point in the future. Says Rebbe Lezer, says, says, Whoever teaches their daughter Torah, it's as if he teaches her Tiflus. Big, we'll see in the Gemara, I think tomorrow or the next day, what Tiflus is. Um, Many say it's as if you're teaching your daughters to be prom- uh, promiscuous. Rashi gives the, re- I think it's a Rashi, it's tomorrow's up next up. He says the reason is because she, you teach her, uh, when a woman learns, it teaches her to be sly and learn how to juke the system. 
I mean, interestingly enough, I don't know why it's just women we're concerned about, because men, any, men anyway have a mitzvah. But with women, the concern is that they will use their knowledge to juke the system. I mean, if you think about it, half the time when you're learning Gemara, you've got all these good strategies to find all the loopholes in keeping mitzvahs, in getting out of Beisdin, in what claims to make in Beisdin, in a hundred different ways to get out of the site of being effective. So that's why Rebbe Lezer says you should not teach your daughter Torah because it's as if you're teaching her Tiflus. Rebbe Yoshua, Aymer Rebbe Yoshua says, um, yeah, before we go on, it's a big discussion nowadays how to apply that. Um, I'll just mention one point on it. Maybe we'll discuss it a little bit more. But many had the opinion that um, you're right, might not be appropriate to teach women Torah as the Rambam's quite against it. We can look at the Rambam. The Rambam's also not so straightforward. Um, what do they say? Yeah, but again, the Ram, I'm saying if you look at the Rambam inside, he seems to say that she's allowed to learn, but you're not allowed to teach her. Uh, but that's Torah Shabbat. So the Rambam himself is not so clear exactly what the parameters are. I'm saying, obviously the Rambam was clear, but for us reading the Rambam, it's not so clear. Um, but, um, but important to note, many said that, look, they used to receive their their guidance on how to be a, a good Jewish, a good person as part of the Jewish nation from their home. Due to the breakdown in the family and the external influences of the modern city, etc. Again, I'm already discussing a few hundred years ago, uh, uh, 200 years ago or so, that this is when it came to the fore again. Um, they're like, no, you need to teach young girls Torah to give them the strength and the education to live as Jews and stand as Jews. It's not good enough to just um, rely on their, you know, their, what's it, learning it through osmosis. It has to be actively taught. Even the Chofetz Chaim, he says uh, famously in his uh, commentary, uh, Likuta Halachas, I think it's, I think it's on Soita, here, he says that um, you should it's important to teach women Torah. And then what's more contemporary is, well, I mean, it's, we'll start at them. What can they learn? What should they learn? What can they not learn? Is it only Aloha? Is it only Tanakh? Is it only Agadita? Uh, yeah, okay. Ariel is, uh, says that um, you shouldn't teach your daughter, but you can teach, but you should surely teach her yeah. yeah, many hold she at least has to learn the parts of Torah that are relevant to her, which if you think about it, that's a lot of, she can learn the whole of Nezikin. Damages and thefts are equally equal, equal to men and women. Maybe you say she shouldn't learn Gemara, but she should learn uh, Halacha, so she can learn Shulchan Aruchan, uh, the whole of Chayshed Mishpat. I mean, there's a lot. Um, Nida, Kashrus, a whole lot of the sections that men are learning for smicha are equally, if not more, relevant to women. So it's something to, um, and there are many hold that, yeah, that they would have to learn so that they can live as a Jew. Um, one more point on learning Torah, just important to distinguish, um, even coming on and assuming, and as I said, more of the discussion is that everyone seems to agree that women should learn or be taught certain. The question is what, and how much, and how. Um, but so that would be, I watch it, their syllabus be. Yeah. Um, oh, and then one more point on that is uh, there is a major distinction in a man's obligation and a woman's obligation. Men have a mitzvah to learn Torah. Women don't have a mitzvah. This we'll see in tomorrow's stuff. But again, like most mitzvahs, I say, 
We do allow women to perform if they want to. Okay, carrying on, says, um, A woman would prefer to have less but physical relationships than have a lot and be um, abstinent. So that's something to be sensitive to, is, um, be very be sensitive to a woman's physical needs. Who um, also used to say, a foolish, a foolish pietist, the Rosha Aram or a sly Rosha, the Isha Prusha, abstinent is abstinent woman the right word? A woman who practices abstinence or piety, asceticism. Um, Prusha is separating from this world. So, you know, not eating exactly what you want, like classical image of a pious person who separates themselves from the physical world. Umakos Prushim and someone who beats themselves for asceticism. Hare Elum Mavlea Olam, these destroy the world. We'll discuss in the Gomorrah what they all are um, when we get there, not in today's stuff, but when we get there, I just want to hurry on so we're not going to discuss them now in the Mishnah. Omri Biro, Omar Shmuel, Rabbi Yudha, same name of Shmuel, Mishum Rabbi Meir, in the name of Rabbi Meir. Keshe Lomad Toy, Keshe Yusi Rabbi Akiva, Hayosi, Maitil Kankantum Latoy Khadjo, Vela Omri Dover. I used to put the special ingredient that made it not fade into the, when I was learning by Rabbi Kiva, I used to put this special ingredient into the dye for writing Sifrei uh, Torah, etc., called Kankantum, and it used to prevent it from erasing. And Rabbi Kiva didn't say anything to me. When I came to Rabbi Shmuel, he said to Rabbi Meir, He says, oh, you're a new Talmud, what do you do? So he says, I told him I'm a scribe. Be careful because your work is very pious, is, is the work for heaven. And you've got to be very careful because if you add a letter or leave out a letter, you could destroy the, word, the, the world. Rashi gives an example of by Yirmiyahu where the Pasuk says, um, we end of Shema like this, but it's actually a Pasuk in Yirmiyahu. If you leave out the Aleph of, Mess, you worry of, of MS, what does it say? Hashem Elohim Mess, Hashem has died. So you say you've got to be very, very careful with the letters. Oh, and he says also, it says, Bereshus Bara Elohim. If you add on a Vov and it says, Bereshus Baru, they created, you're going to lead people to believe in uh, multiple gods. So therefore, you've got to be very, very careful with your answers. Now, this is where the Gomorrah is going to have to jump in and explain it to us because Omarti Law. Don't I have this ingredient kantum and I put it in? So again, that doesn't help the issue of too many letters or leaving, adding in letters or leaving out letters. How does the ingredient of the dye change that? So the Gemara is going to ask, well, wait, what was Rabbi Shmuel asking? That Rabbi Meir is responding that no, don't worry, he's got a special ingredient. So we'll see that in the Gemara. It says, "Omar li v'chim atilin kan kantem l'tochat joah haTorah omra u'malchok siv sheyuvalimchos." I'm going to explain this how Rashi does. It says, um, "He said to me, how can you put kan kantum into the dye? You got to be careful because the Torah says, and you will erase it. Uh, you have to be able to erase." Parsha Soita. Rashi said Rabbi Yishmael is only arguing on Parsha Soita in the Sefer Torah. You're right, the whole Sefer Torah can be written with Kan Kantum, that it doesn't get erased. But the paragraph of the Soita has to be able to be erased. And this is also because Rabbi Yishmael holds, when you write the paragraph, you don't have to write it for the specific Soita. 
you, to dissolve in the water. You just need the paragraph. So someone, so the, the, the paragraph in the Torah is fit for dissolving in the water, and therefore you have to write it. Be careful, Rabbi Meir, when you are writing a Sefer Torah, at Parsha Soita, you write in a way that it can be erased. What did he say and what did Rabbi Meir respond? I, this that Rabbi Meir says, don't worry, I have an agreement. He says, you don't have to worry, I'm very, very, I'm an expert on the, which letters should be mis- left out and which letters should be added in. You don't have to worry. You might even be concerned that a fly will land on the tigra of the dalet. Remember that that's the end of the dalet. And then when he flies off, he causes the ink to smudge. And now it looks like a race. Because remember, dalet has that, uh, I refer to tigra. That end out the back. Now, if an animal smudges at this fly, it's going to look like a wraith. It says, I have this kantum, which will make sure that it still leaves a mark and you can see clearly what it is. Now, the says, Ini, is it true that it was Rabbi Yishmael? There's another price where Rabbi Meir says, When I used to learn by Rabbi Shmuel, I put Kantum in the dive. And he never ever told me anything. When I came to Rabbi Kiva, he said it's forbidden. Says, wait, this whole discussion of who he learned by is difficult. Did he learn these halachas by Rabbi, by Rabbi Akiva or did he learn these halachas by Rabbi Shmuel? So. And who said it was also to him? Was it Rabbi Akiva or Rabbi Ishmael? So So no, at first and sorry, let me just read that a bit slow. He says, No, This who he learned by is no difficult. At first he went to learn by Rabbi Akiva. He wasn't actually able to comprehend what Rabbi Akiva was saying. He wasn't able to work out the true halacha. So he went to Rabbi Shmuel and learned all the traditions from him. And and then he came before Rabbi Akiva and learned all the logic behind it. Rashi seems to explain when you go to Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva would discuss the issues, but almost leave it open-ended. He would say, you know, we can look at the halacha from this aspect, or we can look at the halacha from that aspect. You know, when you're learning Gomorrah, you don't always realize, you don't know what the halacha is. How did you conclude? So that's Rabbi Akiva. So when Rabbi Ma went to Rabbi Akiva, he couldn't tell which way was Rabbi Akiva paskinim. It just was too... He was giving good reasons for either way of looking at the, at the halacha. So he couldn't already pass him, so he went to Rabbi Shmuel. Once he spent some time with Rabbi Shmuel and got a clear derech himsak, then he went back to Rabbi Akiva to learn the depths and the reasonings, etc., behind the halachas. So that's why, that's what happened with Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shmuel. It says, Ela Asra, Asra, Kasha, but it's difficult, and Kasha, it is difficult. Who told him it's also to use Kan Kantim? Was it Rabbi Akiva, or was it Kan Kantim, or was it Rabbi Shmuel? Okay, Tanya Rabbi Yudah, Oimeh Rabbi Yudah taught. Rebbe May used to say for all parts of the Torah you can put Kantum in the Diyah. Except for the 
paragraph of the Sotah. So when you're writing a Sefer Torah, the whole Sefer Torah can be written with Kantum, except the paragraph of the Sotah. Rabbi Yaakov, Omer Mishmo, Rabbi Yaakov said in his name, Chutzmi Pasha Sotah Shel Mignash. No, the whole Sefer Torah can be written with Kantum. It's just when you're writing the scroll for the Sotah of the ritual, the site of the Migdash, you must write it without. I say it can be erased. My Benayu, what's the difference between them? Can you take the paragraph from the Torah and dissolve that for the Saita? And this is either Machloikis is, does it have to be written for a Saita or does it just have to be the paragraph of the Sota? Does it have to be, another way of phrasing it, does it have to be lishmo? Does it have to be written for the woman or not? So, vahani tnai, kahani tnai. Ah, this lines up with another mark like yesterday. The Tanya, as we learned in the Brayta, ein megillos of kashayre lahashkois po soita acheres. You can't use one megillah to write for another soita. And Rabbi Chaim, Rabbi Shai, Shem megil sekshayre lahashkois po soita acheres. Rabbi Yoshia says, no, you can use one scroll from one soita for another soita. So let's say she admits she's Tomei or something and you're not going to use the scroll that was written for her, you can give it, use it for another soita. Now, there's actually two subtle differences between the first Machloikes in the Brisa and the second and the, the first, the, between the first and the second Machloikes. One is, does it have to be written for a woman, for a specific woman? And the second one is, can it be written for the Sefer Torah? and then used for a sota? Or does it have to at least be written for a sota? And that's what we're going to pick up, pick up on that and say that maybe these two prices aren't the same machloikas. Maybe they're subtle differences. These subtle differences. He says, no, maybe they're the, the Tanakam is only particular that if you wrote it for Rachel, you can't go and extract that kavon and I'll use it for layer. Maybe he agrees that you can use the Sefer Torah parchment because it's written and you can write it. Maybe if you just wrote it for the Sota, if you just wrote it for the Sota, you can sorry let me rephrase. If you wrote it for a specific Sota, maybe that's where you can't go and use it for another Sota. But if you wrote it generically, I just to, as part of a Sefer Torah, or to practice or something like that, then maybe you can use it for a Sota. Maybe, again, maybe the Tanakam is only concerned with a specific one. And Omar Abnachum by Yitzhak, Abnachum by Yitzhak says, that's one way of looking at it. And there's a second point. It says, Maybe it's only with the scroll. It has to be written for the curses. But a Sefer Torah which is written to learn from, Maybe you can't erase it. So he says maybe the problem is the other way around. That more problematic is to use a Sefer. We thought at first, or one possibility in the Makrochus is to use a Sefer Torah is better because it's written generically. It's not written for a specific Sota. But if it was written for a specific Sota, then you can't use it for another Sota. Now, Ranachman's introducing, we could also look at it the other way. It says maybe if it's written for a Sota, it's better because all you need is the scroll written for the purpose of the curses to be dissolved in the water. Whereas the Sefer Torah, why is it written in the Sefer Torah? To learn from. 
So that's, so maybe where it's written to learn from, then it can't be used for a sota. But if you have it written for Rachel, you can use it for Leah because it's written for the curses. Um, there's an interesting halacha, someone who brings from here. So we see the purpose of a Sefer Torah is to learn from. That. You, why do you write a Sefer Torah to learn from? There's a famous Rosh where it discusses there's a mitzvah for each Jew to write a Sefer Torah. No, we're not too particular with that mitzvah. As you know, did you, have you written a Sefer Torah? Have you employed someone else to written? Okay, that, yeah. But so, uh, do you have your So we're not talking. And this is often based on the Rosh, because the Rosh says, amazing novelty, he says, nowadays that we don't really learn from Sifrei Torah, buying Svarim is the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. This is where the, the Svarim that you will learn from is the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. And, everyone's, and the, the obvious question is, where does the Rosh get that? seems the mitzvah is to write a Sefer Torah. And the Rosh comes along and says, no, then, so you can use, to fulfill that mitzvah, you can buy Svarim you're going to learn from. He says, yes. And someone who brings this has the purpose, because it says, the purpose of a Sefer Torah, of writing a Sefer Torah is to learn from. Ah, oh, so you have a mitzvah to write a Sefer Torah to learn from. You can fulfill your mitzvah by buying any Svarim that you will learn from, because that's the purpose of the writing of it. Okay, that's an interesting halacha. That comes a side point that comes out from this line in the Gemara. Okay. Now, the Havamin of this Gemara is built into the answer, but basically, we know by a get, it says the Kosav law. You have to write the get for a specific woman. If, even if all the details in the get are 100% correct, another woman can't use it. So, and that's because it says the cost of law must be written for her. There's that same assumption by a sota because it says for also law it shall be done for her. So maybe the writing and the erasing of the scroll have to be done for a specific w- w- reason. And that's what the Gemara asks. Does he not hold for this opinion, for this price, that if you write a divorce document for your wife and you change your mind and you find someone with the exact same names, so you want to give it to them, it is invalid. Should be this, if you're going to say that by Gittin, which obviously he does, he should say the same thing by Soita. You can't write the Soita for one woman for a different woman. So Omri, they, Omri Hossam, they said there, the Kosav law, you shall write for her. Omar Rachmona, the Rachmona, so, so the Kosav, so he says, no, Omar Hossam, the Kosav law, Omar Rachmona, but Inan, Ksivelishmo. There the Torah says, write for her. Write for her, and that tells us it has to be written lishmo. So hachanami va'asala. Well, then, so to here it says it shall be done for her. So we see that it says no. My asia mechika, asia is mechika erasing. So maybe when the Torah, so that's what the answer is. No, when the Torah, Ravachai Barashai will tell you that no. When the Torah says by us, the cost of law shall be written for her by get. Okay, that's very clear. It has to literally be written for us by a specific man for a specific woman, um, for his wife. Um, when it comes along and says the osa law by the sota. Who says that it's referring to writing the parchment? Maybe it means dissolving the parchment. So you can write it for any reason, but it has to be dissolved for a specific sota. Okay, then the next point is the Mishnah was, 
sheponeo, etc. As soon as she's finished drinking, her, she starts to get ill from the water. That's what the Mishnah said. So the Moral Mani Rebbe Shimoni, that seems to be Rebbe Shimon that you first offer her mincha and then she drinks. Because as long as the mincha offering has not been offered, the water won't be effective and check whether she's guilty or innocent. So it's a mincha of zikoron. It brings remembrance of the sin, so it will cause her to get sick. So the first part of the Mishnah must be Rabbi Shimon and not the other. Remember yesterday we had a machloikas, is the mincha bore first and then the drinking? Or is the drinking and then the mincha? So it must be like Rabbi Shimon that the mincha is done first and then the drinking and then immediately she starts to suffer the consequences. It says, I'm a safer, but look at later on in the Mishnah. It says, It says if she has merit, it will delay the punishment. It says that's Rabbanan's opinion. To Rabbi Shimon, if you're going to tell me it's Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, Zechus doesn't help by the bitter waters. And no matter how many merits she has, pardon? She didn't get married for the mincha offering. Merit? No, well, it's, I'm saying, I don't know if it's what, I don't know, I don't understand what you're saying, it's part of the ritual. Yeah, um, but no matter how many merits she has, no matter what she's done, according to Rabbi Shimon, the waters act immediately. So the first part of the mishnah must be Rabbi Shimon that it's mincha then drinking, not Rabbanan who say drinking the mincha because then it won't work till after the mincha has been offered. But the second part, which says, uh, she, she, if she has merit, it will delay the punishment. Again, not stop the punishment. Delay the punishment. That seems to be Rebbe. That's the Rabbanan, not Rebbe Shimon. So, Amar Abchiz Dohomani, Rebbe Akiva, you know, the author is Rebbe Akiva, Rebbe Akiva holds that you first, she offers the mincha and then she drinks. Of his chus, and regarding merit, Sovalok Rabbonin, he holds like the Rabbonin that it can delay. It's right. It's not Rabbi Shimon, it's not Rabbonin, it's Rabbi Akim who holds both. It says, And then they say, Rasha out, Rasha out. It's like, my time, what's the reason? What does it mean, what's the reason? We know that as someone who is, well, this is what the Gemara is, we have three levels of Kedush. We have Machane Shechina, Levia, and Yisrael. Machane Shechina is the actual temple courtyard and the Heichal. And there you're not allowed a Tom and Mace. Machane Levia is the Temple Mount. But included in Temple Mount, important to realize this, is Shar Nikanor, the gates of Nikanor, and the Ezra's Noshib. So even though it was built as part of the Beis Amigdash, and you're off, we often think of it as the courtyard of the Beis Amigdash, the Ezra's Noshim and Shar Nikanor, they're actually part of Temple Mount Kedusha. A Tome Mace, as we'll see in the Gemara, is allowed in the Ezra's Noshim. So what they're concerned about, she's going to drink this potion, potion. She's going to drink this uh, Maim Hamorim, and she's going to be, where is she? Remember, she's in the Ezra's Noshim, Bashar Nikanor, that's where we said the thing's done. So what's the, what's the rush? Why are you so concerned to get her out? Well, she's going to get sick and die, so, but, so, what's the hurry? Get out, get her out, in case she does. She's going to make 
Yeah, so I don't know if it's that she literally explodes. Maybe said the deal mamesa. What your concern is that she'll die. The mamer the mace also b'machane levia. You telling me that you're not allowed a mace in the machane levia? I've got a very very strong proof that a mace is allowed in machane levia. The whole time you will enter rice to tama mace mutalikonets lachane levia veloy tama mace bilvad omru elo afilu mace atmo. Not only is someone who's tame from touching a corpse allowed in machane levia, but even a corpse itself is allowed into machane levia. Shenemar, as it says, it says that Moshe took the bones of Yosef with him. It stayed by him in Machan Remember, so the whole 40 years they had this mace in Machan There's no problem with a mace in Machan There actually is, I don't want to discuss it now, but just so you don't take any mace onto Temple Mount, there's a Xerid Rabbonin that you're not allowed to. But all right, so you are. So he says, Omar, so again, what's the panic? Why the hurry to get her, get her out, get her out before she dies? So Omar, Abaya, Shema, Tifros, Nida. No, the concern is that she'll become a, nim, a Nida. By this whole, we're going to say, that this whole ordeal that she's gone through will cause her to become a Nida. And a Nida is not allowed on Temple Mount. So shortly before she dies, she might become a Nida. And she's not allowed on Temple Mount. So that's why as soon as she starts to get ill, rush her out, rush her out. Says why Lemaimer to be Marpi? You're telling me that fear causes her, weakens her, and makes her become a nida. Says in the queen became techalchel. This is by Esther when she had to go to Achashverosh. The terror of it. Remember, she was putting her life in danger, going to the king unannounced or unsummoned. So she became. There's a discussion there. Did she become a nida or did she become? Um, Get diarrhea, but either way, she became a nida. Is the, this opinion? She became a nida. So we see that a woman who suffers terror can, can cause her to become a nida. But we learned terror can make the blood um, removes her dam. A woman who's suffering from fear won't become a nida. This has halachas with when do, do, a woman who misses a period, do you assume she's a nida or not, etc. So here, on the one hand, it seems that fear could make her. On the other hand, it seems that, wait, it could be a good excuse. Oh, she's not Tomei, even though she didn't um, become, see her didn't check whether she became a nida or not, because she was afraid, and that's Masale Kadamim. It removes the blood. So the Gemara says, no, Pachtatzamis be to Samarpei. Fear, drawn out fear, causes her to contract. That makes her not become a nida. However, a sudden terror, that causes her to weaken it. Um, and that's what we're saying. Um, effect, uh, yeah, I was hoping to get quite a bit further, but I think let's leave it for today.